Good morning, church family. It is an honor to be able to share with you today, uh, to be with you and uh, see your faces and be able to gather together. I want to start our time today with a time of celebration, though. I want us to look back and reflect on some ways that the Lord was able to be glorified through us as a church family in 2020. But first, I want us to gather together and thank Chris, our pastor, for leading us week in and week out. And especially, Chris, for this sermon series on gospel habits. Thank you for encouraging us and challenging us to read scripture. First week he shared was reading scripture. And then last week, the encouragement and challenge was to share Jesus. Today I have an opportunity to share with you that third gospel habit, and we'll look at that here in just a moment. But I want to start off asking you a question. Have you started reading scripture? Have you been able to share Jesus with someone this past week? Do you truly believe God is at work? Is God work here in our church family? Is God working in our community? Is God at work in Birmingham? How do we know that? Where do we see? Where do you have an opportunity to see where God is working? For the last 10 years, we've been able to serve on the field in South Asia, very dear to our heart. And I'm grateful that as a church family, we have a time to celebrate Lottie Moon every December. And our goal this past year in raising funds for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, our goal was $50,000. And I want to just congratulate and celebrate that as a church family, we were able to collect 56000 and $61. Church, you responded and gave more than we've ever given before. And in years past... That giving has greatly allowed us to fulfill the calling that we were able to serve and do in the ministry on the field. But today, we have the opportunity to uh, welcome Jeff, who came as a part of our uh, Global Impact. He is back with us. He's going to be sharing with our senior adults during the Sunday School Hour. But also, we have the opportunity to welcome Jared, who is also serving Dear co-workers, great friends of mine, serving on the field. And now what I would like to do is I'd like for Jared to come, and I want him to come, and I'm going to ask him some questions so you can get to know him. Um, but Jared is, is very, very uh, close to us. I, I know there's a story, Jared, that always stands out in my mind. When we first arrived, he was coming through our city in the small town that we lived in. Um, 
And they, he and his family stayed in our house, and I will always remember and cherish that time with them. But Jared, I want you to, uh, if you don't mind, share us a little bit about you. Share us a little bit about your family, where you guys are serving, and uh, your role on the field for us. Sure. As Kevin said, my name is Jared. Uh, I actually am from Missouri originally. Anybody else from Missouri? I kind of figured that was the case. I come from a town called Tightwad, Missouri. I kid you not, you can't make it up. Population 42 when I was growing up. And my dad was actually a, a hog farmer when I was born. And then he got into insurance and then certified financial planning, that whole nine yards. And if there's somebody least likely to be living overseas... It would be me and my family. Uh, I married my high school sweetheart, actually. I can remember her from fourth grade. We went to the same church, same town, whole nine yards. Our parents thought we would live there forever. And nowadays we have four kids. Uh, we live on the other side of the world. We're actually based out of Kathmandu, Nepal. And uh, we get to serve God in South Asia. Some of what we do is our team that we get to lead targets those people groups in South Asia that have zero churches, zero believers, and nobody trying to do anything about it. Uh, as of a week ago, we have 1,088 people groups left like that in South Asia that have zero believers, zero churches. And it's Jeff and I's job and a host of others to try to take the gospel to them for the first time. Amen. Amen. Okay, tell us, uh, Jared, real quick, one story or one way that the Lottie Moon Christmas offering has impacted you and your work on the field in this last year, in the midst of COVID, what's one way that Lottie, our giving to Lottie has impacted you and your work and your family? Great, but I can't tell you just about one year. Okay. So all of our stories take place over multiple years. And this particular story uh, starts with a guy named B2 that we met about a decade ago. Uh, B2 lives in North India. And uh, by 2017, uh, B2 and I, we've been targeting some of these UUPGs, these groups that have zero believers, zero churches. And in his state, we got down to where there were two left that we knew of. And so we started praying in 2017 that God would bring the first believers uh, from one of those people group named the Sorgir. And we encourage churches like yours to, to come alongside of us, to join us in that. By 2018, B2 and a couple of guys, they'd seen the first believers among the Sorgir. In 2019, we had about 60 baptized believers organized across four different churches, the first four churches with the Sorgir. By 2020, uh, we went into lockdown on March 23rd, and when South Asians talk about lockdown, they mean the police are going to arrest you if they catch you outside your house. Uh, so the, the Sorgir churches, brand new churches, are there stuck in the middle of the pandemic. And as they begin to pray, as they begin to think, as B2 is calling them on the phone, encouraging them, we began to ask them about a couple of other groups that were just across the state line in India and saying, maybe God is calling some of the Sorgir to reach out to this people group and that people group. And uh, in September, our pandemic restrictions lifted. Uh, people began to travel again. And the Sorgir, after six months of prayer, began to engage these two people groups mm. just across the state line. 
And it's through gifts like this church, through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, through the cooperative program, that folks like B2, we get to walk alongside of them, that we get to train the first few churches among a people group, and then we get to see them actually start sending missionaries to other people groups like these two that have been engaged because of the sword here. Amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing that, Jared. Um, Another question I have. Tell me... What does no place left mean to you? When you hear that phrase, what does that mean to you? I don't want to steal your thunder this morning because I think you're (laughs) preaching out of Romans 15. Um, But for me, we're going to read this passage in in just a few minutes. And for me, uh, growing up, I always studied the book of Romans as a theological book. But in reality, it's Paul, who is also a great missionary, writing a capstone to his three missionary journeys that we read about in the book of Acts. So for me, when I read his words in Romans 15, I hear a great missionary saying that this vision that he had uh, maybe 12 or 15 years prior to this, that it's been fulfilled, it's done, his job is finished. And for me, that idea of no place left encapsulates a vision that's much larger than any one man could accomplish. So as we look at this passage, as we think about it in the historical context, for me, it just encapsulates the idea of what is God calling me to as a missionary? What is God calling our church to? What is God calling you to? And it is something much bigger than any one man could accomplish. And Paul gives us a great example of that in this passage. Amen. All right, last question. What's one way we as a church family can be praying for you and, uh, and your family in the days ahead? Well, very specifically, uh, we came back to the U.S. on stateside assignment on September 9th. I've uh, been back about four months now, something like that, uh, planning to get back to Nepal uh, in the next two weeks or so. Um, if you don't mind, be praying for my son. Uh, my oldest son's name is Caleb. And uh, out of four kids, my youngest three, they miss home. They're thinking about Nepal, and they're excited to get back and see the dog we left behind and their room and all their toys and that sort of stuff. But my 12-year-old, Caleb, uh, he's decided the U.S. is a pretty good place. So in the last four months, we've been to the beach, and we've been to Disneyland, and he goes to Grandma's house five times a week and gets dessert. And he's decided the U.S. is a pretty great place to live. Uh, so he's got a day of reckoning coming in about two weeks when we go home back to real life. Uh, So be praying for him, be praying for us as we travel back. Be praying that, uh, especially for Caleb and all my kids, that they would see this not as dad's job, but instead they'd see this as our family's ministry. Uh, Be praying for that if you would, Ken. Amen. I will. Can I pray for you guys now? Sure. All right. Father, thank you uh, for today and for allowing Jared uh, to come and, and share with us and encourage us and uh, Lord, we look forward to the opportunity this afternoon for the training time at lunch. And, and God, we are grateful for Jared and, and his family and just the relationship that we have with, with them. And God, we, we pray that you would continue to work in Caleb's heart as they prepare to return home. We pray that, Father, you would uh, continue to open the doors on the field with the men that... Jared and Michelle have, and and women, the the men and women that Jared and Michelle have been investing their lives in over these last number of years. And 
God, we just pray that you would work out all the details for the logistics and the return uh, in the weeks ahead. And and just pray that, God, you would uh, allow them as a family to minister to those around them in a way that will bring the most glory and honor to you and that your kingdom will grow. We love you, Father, and we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Kevin. Absolutely. Second thing I want us to celebrate today is our giving to the Shelby Baptist Association Christmas gift shop. And as many of you know, we had a goal set for $7,500 to collect for that time. It was a little bit different this time of year because of the challenges with COVID, but we want to report to you that it's worth celebrating that we collected $13,905 for the Shelby Baptist Christmas gift shop. And I... The numbers are, we just got an email earlier uh, at the end of this week, but there were 468 children this year that received a gift through the gift shop from 175 different families. And as a result, there were 19 that trusted Christ. Through that ministry, 19 new people trusted Christ. And that's worth celebrating. Lives are being changed, and we are grateful to have a part, small part in that, but thank you for your support to the Shelby Baptist Christmas gift shop. Something else I want us to celebrate is another way we've been able to engage our community is there are so many of you within our church family, and I think there's a total of about 30 if we uh, added correctly, but there are about 30 from our church family that regularly are involved in some way each month with the Jimmy Hill Mission here in downtown Birmingham. Over 30 of us as a church family, whether that's mentoring, cooking meals, whether that's serving, leading in the chapel services, whatever ways we can as a church family, I want to celebrate that because that is a ministry locally that we have an opportunity to make a difference in those men's lives who are there going through that recovery process. So thank you, church family, for participating and joining in on this special ministry locally here. Another thing I want to celebrate is back in May when COVID hit, we weren't sure how can we really make a difference, what can we do. Our church staff discussed some ways that we could gather some care packets together. And we approached and offered these opportunities for you to come and gather some of those, and we even distributed some as a staff. But we made and distributed nearly 500 care packets for folks in our in our community. Nearly 500 care packets were distributed in May. So thank you. Thank you, church family, for wanting to make a difference and share Christ's love and care for folks in our community. Not only that, unexpectedly, on election day, there were probably... We're guessing or estimating that there may have been around 2,000 people who came on campus to vote because we are a polling station here at Meadowbrook Baptist. But we served coffee, we served water bottles, and we distributed over almost 500 hot dogs on election day. As folks came, they were waiting in line, we had an opportunity to serve them. 
And because of your faithful giving and opportunities that you just, we just didn't expect that opportunity, but praise the Lord, we gathered together and we were able to have a great impact on election day. And also, in November, December, as we were preparing for the Christmas holiday season, we were able to also gather together. You guys donated a lot of Christmas items, but we were able to also distribute 108 holiday meal packs in December. Holiday meal bags. And that is worth celebrating to families, to those in need in our community. So thank you, church family, for caring and for loving and gathering together to see and take advantage of an opportunity to engage those around us that we love and care for. The last thing I want to highlight is another opportunity of what we've been calling Engage Meadowbrook. We gather together two different times in the fall, once in September and then once again in November. And today we're going to be doing that a third time. But in September and November, what I want to do is I want to share with you some highlights, some statistics that we've gathered together to celebrate what we've been able to see God do in, in those, those, that, those times. But 30 members, uh, at both times, we, you know, uniquely uh, gathered the information, but about 30 different members from Meadowbrook gathered on, in September and or November to go out and engage and share. We gathered together both different times, about two hours each, and like we're going to do this afternoon, when we go out, hour and a half to two hours, then we'll come back and, and have a time to debrief. But of these 30 members that gathered together, we also were in partnership with a ministry called Birmingham Gospel Outreach. Those who are regularly involved in doing this in different parts of the Birmingham community, but they're gathering with us to partner with us so that we can go out and do this together. And we had an opportunity... During those two times, we saw 87 encounters, which means 87 people opened their door and allowed us to begin the conversation. And once that conversation began, then we had an opportunity to pray for 48 different people. And one of the ways we're starting that conversation is as they open the door, we're asking them, is there anything we can pray for you about? And so 48 people said, yes, we would be willing for you to pray for this particular need in our lives or in our family. And as we were praying, then the conversation would lead to hopefully a gospel conversation. And of those 48 that we got to pray for, we had the opportunity to share the gospel with 15 different people or homes right here in our neighborhood. And that's worth celebrating. That 15 people heard the gospel. Some maybe for the first time. Some maybe for the second, third, or fourth time. But they heard a clear, simple gospel presentation. So thank you, church family, for joining together. For participating. And believing that God is at work in our community. And we have that same opportunity today. To go out and share again here in our neighborhood. Well, today, as Jared mentioned, the passage I want to read from is Romans 15. So if you don't mind, if you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 15.
The title of my message today is No Place Left. I want us to read starting in verse 17. So if you don't mind, please join me and stand as I read. Romans 15, beginning in verse 17. In Christ Jesus, then, Paul says, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. By word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Father, we are grateful for your word. We are grateful today for your love. And I pray that you would open our hearts to hear what you want us to hear and how you want us to obey. We thank you, Father, for the example of Paul in writing this letter to those believers in Rome. And we have an opportunity to open it up and study it together. Be glorified during our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. What I want to do is I want to walk through this passage with you and then give you four key takeaways that I want you to remember from this passage. But I want us to go verse by verse and take a look at some things here that stand out to me as we read through this passage in Romans chapter 15. Starting there in verse 17, Paul says, In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. As Paul's closing this letter to those believers in in Rome, he says, I have reason to be proud. Not from what I have done, but in Christ Jesus and in Him alone. I have reason to be proud of what? The work. Now, the work, His work, was He was called by the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 13, set apart by the Holy Spirit for Him and Barnabas, to do the work that God had prepared for them to do. And here he says, I have reason to be proud of that work. And further down, we see that it was accomplished and fulfilled. Everything that he set out to do has been fulfilled. But notice here, he says, the work for God and his glory and his kingdom. In Christ Jesus alone, he's not going to speak of anything except what Christ He's given all 
the glory to what Christ has accomplished through him. He's not taking any of the credit. Now, I'll come back and help us define in a minute what that work, how we would define what that work is. But here, notice here in verse 18, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. Praise the Lord that Paul saw great fruit, but it was only because of what Christ accomplished through him. Now, the second part of this verse here, notice what he says. And this is an echo of what he set out to say in Romans chapter 1 as well in verse 5. But here he says here, what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. Everything that was accomplished was done to bring the Gentiles to obedience. In Romans chapter 1 verse 5 it says, Through whom we have received grace and apostleship, Paul says, to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. When Paul set out, he was faithful and obedient to where God was leading him, to where the Spirit was leading him. And it greatly impacted multiple ethne, as we see here in this verse. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Pontata ethne, for all nations. And here the same word is used in Romans 1 verse 5. But here Paul says in this passage, Christ has accomplished. What he's accomplished through me was to bring the Gentiles, every people group outside of the Jews, to obedience. And then he says, here's how it happens. By the word and deed, by what Paul said, what Paul did, that's allowed the Gentiles to come to obedience. By the power of signs and wonders, a very common phrase in the New Testament, especially the book of Acts, and in the Old Testament, by miracles. There were many miracles that were performed. And then third, by the power of the Spirit of God, he says, that's led to the obedience of all the Gentiles. Now here, as we move forward, we see next, he says, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum. I want to show you a New Testament map that helps illustrate this picture. And I want you to see this. It's maybe hard to see. I don't know if you can see real clearly uh, the duration, but notice down in the far right corner, you see Jerusalem in the area where Israel is. Jerusalem down here, it's highlighted in a purple-looking color. Go all the way around up to where you see the boot, which is Italy. You'll see Rome. But then just before that, there's a region up in the north, in this top left corner called Illyricum. So Paul is naming here, he says, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, what does he say? I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. It's done. The gospel has been fully proclaimed from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum. That's a huge task. 
The biggest question I guess I could ask us is, how in the world could Paul say the gospel has been fully proclaimed? It's been fulfilled. Now, less than 15 years, more like maybe around 12, 10 to 12 is what scholars will say, but less than 15 years, Paul committed to the work that we see from Acts 13 to Acts 20. And he's writing this letter toward the end of that third journey. And he says, the gospel is fully proclaimed. Amazing that Paul could say that. What did Paul do? How did he spend his time? Was he the only one? In Acts chapter 20, we see men who are traveling with Paul that had, he had picked up along the way that he was intentionally investing his life in. Encouraging them to continue to do the work. They were capable leaders that he was bringing alongside of him. Passing on this work that he was referring to for them to continue to do the work. They were going to keep making disciples. They were going to keep sharing the gospel. They were going to keep planting churches that were reproducing and multiplying. Among all nations. As a result, verse 20. What's Paul's ambition from here? His desire then is to not preach the gospel where Christ has already been named. Unless he's building on someone else's foundation. But instead, as it is written from the book of Isaiah. Those who have never been told of him will see. And those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I've been hindered to come see you. But since there's no longer any place for me to focus. Because who's continuing to do the work? Those men, those women who have been trained. His desire is to take the gospel to a place here identified as Spain. But on my way... I'm going to come see you in Rome. But the gospel has not been taken to the people. To the multiple people groups in Spain. Who's going to take the gospel to them? How are they going to hear the good news? Paul's vision for no place left. And we see that in verse 23. There was no longer any place left, any room for him to continue doing the work in this region. The region identified from Jerusalem to Illyricum. There's no longer any room for work in these regions. So brothers and sisters, this morning, I want you to see four takeaways, four key takeaways from this passage. And I want to ask us a few questions. Number one, the purpose of Paul's work. Where do we see the purpose of Paul's work? There in verse 18, everything was done to bring the Gentiles to obedience. Purpose of Paul's work was to lead Gentiles to obedience. Do you see that? 
Paul was one who was persecuting Christians early on in the book of Acts. The Lord transformed his life. Called him out of darkness into light. Just like hopefully for us as believers today, God has called us out of darkness into light. To be faithful witnesses for him. Would you agree that our task as a church today is still to lead others to obey the Lord? Is that our task? Is that our responsibility? Obviously believing God is at work around us. And God's going to do this saving. You know, one passage we often use on the field in, in communicating vision and casting that vision is Jesus' purpose in the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. The Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. He still does the saving. Our part is to do the seeking. Believing that He's going to bring about a great harvest among us. Right here in Meadowbrook, in Birmingham, but also around the world. As you heard from Jared share this morning. So how are we doing, church family? How are we doing? Are we doing well at leading others to obedience? And are there areas that we're not doing so well? Maybe we could come together and rethink how we're doing that. Second thing I want you to see is the result of Paul's work there in verse 19. What does he say there in verse 19? Read it with me. So that all the way from Jerusalem, all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. A result of Paul's ministry here is the gospel was fully proclaimed. What would it take for us to say in Meadowbrook, the gospel is fully proclaimed? In Birmingham, the gospel is fully proclaimed. What would it take for the gospel to be fully proclaimed in our community? To see disciples growing in the Lord and multiplying. The third thing I want you to see as well is also another result. Because as a result of Paul's ministry and his work, we see there in verse 23, there was no place left for him to work. Nothing else for him to do. Paul, Paul says here, there's no longer any room. Because he invested his life in others. They were going to continue doing the work. And he was going to move on to Spain. And then last, the fourth thing I want you to see is the strategy of Paul's work. His goal, his, his strategy was to then target peoples and places where the gospel has not reached. He was going on to Spain. His desire, his ambition was to go where people had not heard. Because he knew that there were going to be faithful men and women to continue doing the work. From Jerusalem to Illyricum. In that region. So church family... May we identify peoples around us and places 
where we can share the good news or share Jesus as we were challenged last week. May we join together, believing God is at work, to see our Metaport community is fully engaged with the gospel. This leads me to the gospel habit number three, that in this sermon series, which is church family, let's join together and let's engage our community. May you engage your community. Today we'll be going out, we'll be gathering together for a time at lunch, we'll be going out uh, to share, and I'm grateful that we have friends here who are going to lead us in that time of training. But join us, come join us. I want to show you a map that we have created, and I want you to join us in praying. First, just join us in praying, and I'm going to lead us here in a time of prayer over this map, but this map represents our neighborhood. You'll see the red, it's really small, but you'll see the red cross in the center toward the top of this area, which this area is, what we're saying is this is where we want to have a great impact and care and love for folks in our community. But our church is right in the heart of that. But I also want to note that every blue dot on this map represents a church family from Meadowbrook. There are a total of 3,671 homes, households, represented on this map here. So church family, would you join together? Join us. And let's pray for each household. But what would it take for this year, 2021, to be able to engage and share the gospel? Pray for and share the gospel with every single household on this map we got to start somewhere. No place left is not going to happen until we start where God has us planted. And right now, we have an opportunity to join together and pray and engage our community. What would, it, what would the impact look like if 100 Meadowbrook members sharing with one person a week, 100 members sharing with one person a week, Imagine the impact we could have. Father, I'm grateful today for your grace and your love in our lives. Thank you for this example of Paul. May we live out each day believing that you are at work around us. God, thank you for the chance and the opportunity we have to gather this afternoon to go out and engage our community again. Please glorify your name. May we see lives transformed because of hearing the gospel for the first time or for the eighth time. May we trust and believe that you're working in our community. In Jesus' name we pray.